You're listening to the Niners Bros, your home for post-game analysis, correcting media narratives, and keeping you up to date on all things San Francisco 49ers. What's up, guys? I'm Michael Ditchfield. And I'm David Ditchfield, and we are the Niners Bros. On today's episode, we break down the Niners-Mexico City game on Monday Night Football against the Arizona Cardinals, a game that they won 38-10, moving to 6-4 on the year and taking sole possession of first place in the NFC West. And you could say that this was their most complete win of the year. There's so much to talk about, but the obvious headline is that Kyle Shanahan finally figured out a way to get all of his playmakers involved in a complete team win. Just about everything we complained about on last week's podcast was completely resolved in this game. So I guess that is proof positive that Kyle Shanahan listens to this podcast. You know he's really big on uh, content creators and social media, right? (laughs) So some other notable things about this game. The 49ers score 38 points. That is their high mark on the season. They did score 37 against Carolina, but that was back in week five. So the Niners crossed the 30-point threshold for only the third time this season. Great to see them putting points on the board. The only team that scored more this week in the NFL was Dallas. They put up 40 and just obliterated the Vikings 40-3 to in that one. But most notably, as you said, the 49ers moved to 6-4, and four, which is good for first place in the division. For the first time in 20 years, the 49ers have started 4 and 0 in their division, which is always huge, especially huge. towards the end of the end of the season. In terms of the playoff pictures, it's a little bit too early to say that this was a must-win game, but you could certainly say it was an extremely advantageous to win game. Sure. Because this win basically gives the 49ers between an 85 and 95% chance of making the playoffs, depending on whose models you look at. And it basically takes Arizona and the Rams out of playoff contention for all intents and purposes. Both of those teams now looking at less than a 10% chance to make the playoffs. Yep. Crushing loss for Arizona. And we're going to get right into the storylines coming into this game. But before we do, just a, a reminder that this is the only podcast that you're going to find, uh, 49ers podcast, where we actually go drive by drive and break down what happened. We're not going to hop all over and, and just do hot takes. We're going to take you drive by drive through what happened in this game and how the 49ers pulled off this excellent team win. So as you alluded to, this was a game that Arizona needed to have, but horrible timing for them with injuries. Kyler Murray and Hollywood Brown not able to return. Um, they're hoping to be back in the next week or two, but not able to play in this game. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins was but still not good timing for them on Monday night football to to have to try to face a 49ers team but you know that happened last year too we had a a game against Colt McCoy where the Niners really let their guard down and I'm sure that they were hoping we would do them that favor again but but didn't (laughs) didn't happen yeah the Cardinals also have some big injuries on the offensive line as well of course on their first play of the game they have Rondale Moore get injured as well so definitely they were on the other side of that injury bug coin uh, that we've been struggling with but again no excuses right so the 49ers had opportunities to capitalize earlier in the season and they didn't Uh, you can always blame injuries it's really easy to do, but at the end of the day, you just have to keep going, keep pressing on, and whoever is the most physical team typically is going to win. 
I know that we were looking to see the 49ers get their playmakers more involved, but especially George Kittle in this game. We were looking forward to that with all of his wrestling affinity and the, the whole Mexican luchador and things like that. And Arizona has been really bad against tight ends. So that was a, an area of focus for them to see if they could contain him and for us um, to try to get him really involved. So I think the biggest story, though, coming in was just how would both teams fare in Mexico City in this super high, you know, higher than, than Bronco Stadium elevation. And the Niners did something very, very different. They flew out to Colorado in the uh, in the cold, cold snow. The elevation was was good practice. The weather was not at all similar to what they faced. But yeah, there were some really funny pictures going around. There was one especially where it's Debo just opening the door, just the <laughs> tiniest crack because it's so cold, and just kind of sticking his helmet out just a little bit. And he commented on it, you know, talking about how it's so freezing. Uh, Nick Bosa was interviewed about it as well and said that the weather conditions made it difficult for them to maintain their positivity. Mm. So certainly in terms of practice conditions with that elevation, with the temperatures, um, as it began to snow later in the week, they moved their practices indoors on turf. So thankfully nobody uh, got injured doing that, but definitely a, a huge factor. Bosa said after the game that the elevation definitely was a factor and practicing in Colorado was huge for them. You saw multiple times during this game, guys were going down with cramps. Debo was on the sidelines on his back several times. The guys are just gassed. You get the wind knocked out of you. It's just really tough to play in those conditions. And it looks like the 49ers were way more physical, had a ton more energy, especially towards the end of the game in this one. We'll talk about that, of course, in depth as we go along here. But uh, after the game, interestingly, they gave a game ball to the owner, John York, who footed the bill for them to practice in Colorado. So it'll be interesting next year to see whoever gets that Mexico City game. Sure. If they uh, <laughs> decide that they want to play in Colorado or practice in Colorado. Um, so we'll see how that goes next year. Or if they decide that we just won this game because Cliff Kingsbury sucks. <laughs> well, he does. He's definitely not a good head coach. They're there. It's hard to find a metric that says he is. Anyway, that's that's slightly off topic. So it was going to be interesting in this game to see, too. We were told that close to 80% of the tickets that were purchased for this were supposed to be for 49ers fans, and that definitely seemed to be the case. The, it was a home game for Arizona, but... It, Not really. <laughs> yeah, like like if, if SoFi, the Rams stadium, is Levi South, I don't know what you would call this, like... Like, yeah, Levi's South South, yeah. I think, is, is what you'd say. But, yeah, anytime you're hearing defense, defense <laughs> on third down at a home game, it's like, come oh, on, guys. Man, man. But uh, other storylines coming in, you know, the 49ers did still have some injuries. Evacom practiced on Saturday but didn't play, which, you know, maybe was the right decision. But a lot of people were curious to see – what the running back carries would look like, especially after last week where Elijah Mitchell got more carries than McCaffrey. Interesting to see how Shanahan would handle that. Um, Kinlaw didn't even travel with the team. I don't think anyone's expecting him to play or anything like that, but it was fascinating that Trey Lance traveled with the team and was walking around Javon Kinlaw still not. But Kinlaw, yeah, Kinlaw not healthy enough to travel with the team is just terrible. Yeah. Last two things that I'll just mention before we get into the drive-by-drive. Drive. This was a bit of a trap game in that Colt McCoy and the Cardinals did win last year. So you you really did want to see that intensity. Um, so it was nice to see nice to see the 49ers, how, how they would respond to that. And then Stancegate. <laughs> uh, earlier in the week, Jesse Naylor, who's a, he's a, a really solid content creator for 49ers fans, he posted some clips on Twitter about 
Trent Williams tipping plays by his stance and and how you can tell on each play whether it's going to be a run or a pass play and that even if it's not affecting him because he's so elite is this affecting our offense especially on these sort of crucial running downs or, or passing downs things like that he got absolutely blown up on Twitter over this. A lot of former players and people commenting on it. And we've reached out to to Jesse. I've had some sort of brief conversations with him in the past. And I think he he's a great content creator. He really cares about the 49ers. I think what was lost on people was he didn't just sort of pick this out of thin air and, and try to make a story out of nothing. This was something that a, a Bears player commented on in week one. So he was just, he noticed that the Bears player said something about it and how it gave them an advantage. And he tried to follow up on it and see if he could predict, you know, and it just turned into to this huge, big viral thing with yeah, a, lot of, a lot of people going after him. You know, welcome to the internet. It's so strange how and when things go viral. Like you'd think if one of the best left tackles in the game is tipping plays and an NFL player comments on it, you'd think that would be the news immediately afterwards. But no, here we are you know, 10, 11 weeks later and somebody comments on it on Twitter and it just absolutely blew up. Uh, The one surprising, I guess, or interesting thing is to see so many former players and analysts who legitimately understand the game of football talking about how, well, it doesn't really matter because, you know, Trent Williams is still beating his guy. And the crazy thing about that is it doesn't matter that's like the least consequential part of the play if Trent Williams wins his individual matchup. It's if the entire defense knows if it's a run or a pass, don't you think that's kind of a big deal? If it's not a big deal, then why does play action exist? If it doesn't matter, if there's no point in trying to disguise whether you're running or passing, what is play action about? Yeah, and I guess you could argue that if, if you're saying that it does make a difference, you know, then maybe part of it is just the linebackers, you know, how, how aggressive are they with their first step to come up and stop their own. But, you know, we're not here to debate, <laughs> you know, whether whether or not he, he was right or wrong. He didn't even say definitively. He didn't go after Trent Williams or say this is hurting the team. It was just something he posted as something that was interesting. But a lot of analysis on that coming into the game and we were discussing like I wonder if they're going to mention it and they did but it doesn't seem that Trent Williams was was too badly affected he posted his highest PFF grade in the history of his career in this game and sometimes when you see these PFF grades after the game you're like well how did that person get a 90 like I don't even remember his name being on the screen like you know how did that guy get a 92 or a 94 in this game Trent Williams was all over the field putting guys on their butts manhandling J.J. Watt. Um, Obviously, Buda Baker is probably the best defensive player on their team, plays with so much heart and hustle, but he is not going to be successful against Trent Williams very often. But uh, yeah, I I would just say that the PFF grades, like you said, they're they're not always 100% reliable but this one passed the eye test Trent Williams was phenomenal in this game so enough about the uh, stories coming in let's get right into the drive by drive so Arizona got the ball back first a touchback nice to see Robbie Gold in the higher elevation actually getting <laughs> it into the end zone booming yeah. a kick so they started with a jet sweep that lost six yards and that was the play I think in which Rondale Moore was hurt and then Hopkins got his first catch he, he was targeted often in this game but it was only for six yards and then they punt and it was pretty cool that during that punt you could hear the crowd chanting let's go Niners so definitely that answered the question early on on <laughs> who, who the crowd was for but um, so the 49ers get the ball on their first drive McCaffrey runs for two Kittle was not 
the beneficiary of a flag that we thought he probably should have been. It looked like a defenseless receiver where he got hit um, and the pass fell incomplete. And then Juwan Jennings, uh, another one where it could have been called a flag where they said that he tripped on himself. It kind of looked like he got tangled up and, and more, more so than whether it was incidental contact or not, the defensive back had his hands on Jennings back. So it kind of, kind of surprised the back to back plays judgment calls that went against the 49ers. And that was kind of a bummer. Yeah. In slow motion replay, it looks like Jennings did kind of trip himself a little bit, but as you said, the defender had his hands on his back in real time. That looks so horrible. So coming off of a no call on Kittle to that, where the guy is full extension with his arms on his back, he get the receiver falls flat on his face. That's one where you'd certainly like to see a call. So that was going to be interesting, right? So from that moment on, you know, be alert, be aware of this. Like, how are the officials going to be calling this game? From all visible evidence, it looked like it was going to be one of those games where they just let them play. And as the game went on, that's exactly what happened. Sure. Well, the 49ers punt there and Tavarius Moore almost was able to pin them on the one yard line, but it was raining early on in this game, wet field. His feet just slipped and he, he just ended up bad luck, just just feeding on the goal line and, and ended up being a touchback. Yeah, terrific punt from Wisnowski would have pinned him inside the two again, if the field hadn't been so wet. Yep. So Arizona on their second drive, they had a, a negative one yard run to begin, which happened multiple times. And then they got a six yarder to their tight end McBride. Hopkins had two catches in a row on both for first downs. Again, they just continued to target him. Uh, and then Connor had an eight yard run for a first down. Mooney Ward and Greenlaw both came out at that point, kind of gasping or like, you know, p- potentially cramps and things like that. But fortunately, the drive did stall. Uh, Diamador Lenore had some some really strong coverage. Again, maybe if you're a Cardinals fan, you expected a flag. But very, very sticky all over DeAndre Hopkins. And they had to settle for a field goal there. So they go up 3-0. But uh, 49ers come back in there. Second drive, McCaffrey gets a first down catch. Um, another five-yard reception and a three-yard run. And then on third down... And two, controversial decision from Shanahan. They decide to run a Debo sweep, and he ends up going out of bounds for a loss of one. I guess there probably wasn't much for him to cut back, but I don't know that you hate the call of giving it to, to Debo on, on third and two, but still not ideal for your, your second possession. And that there was actually a holding on Kittle, too, that was declined. So 49ers punt there, but Womack, who's really turning into a special teams ace, downs it. And, and it was almost like a sprinter where he was running, swatted the ball, and kept running into the end zone, but, it, but he had gotten his hands off the ball. That was an amazing play. Yeah, it's just phenomenal. I think at some point you're going, even though he's a rookie, you're going to have to say, like, this guy appears to be a special teams ace. And the 49ers have had some really spectacular uh, gunners and guys in that role, even you know when Raheem Mostert was just a special teams guy, he did that amazingly. Going back to you know like Kasim Osgood, some really phenomenal gunners that they've had over the years, and that play is just one that you don't see very often. He is running full tilt. The ball is about to cross over the plane. He gets super low, tips the ball back, but his feet are on the right side of the goal line. Just a phenomenal play. That's not one that you see made very often. It's just so hard to do, and he made it look easy. Once again, phenomenal punt from Wisnowski, pinning the Cardinals really deep in their own territory. Yep, Good stuff. The Cardinals did pick up a a rushing first down, but really didn't do a whole lot on that drive. Uh, On third and three, there was an awesome jump from Bosa, just great get off the ball, and then Drake Jackson tipped it, which he seems to do at least once in every game, and Greenlaw blew up a screen there, so they had to punt it away. 
at this point the Niners got the ball back for their third possession with just a little bit of time left in the first quarter so they hadn't really scored in slow starts for sure for sure um and we still hadn't seen Elijah Mitchell, which was interesting. But Debo started the drive with a four-yard reception. McCaffrey had a, a play where we really thought he should have gotten the benefit of a horse collar penalty, but it didn't end up mattering. Kittle was able to pick up a first down, and then McCaffrey did get a five-yarder and got the benefit of a face mask, which was not. He, that that was like a, a front collar, which should not have been a penalty, but but it's sort of a, a makeup. Yeah, that, that's kind of an equalizer. Makeup. Yeah, equalizer there for sure. Yeah. And then after that, uh, Debo had a 19-yard reception, and then McCaffrey a toss for 20, and then Getting down inside the red zone, Ayuk had what we called in the moment a route redemption <laughs> touchdown where he ran this beautiful whip route, just completely cooked the defender. He got so low to the ground on that. His legs were you know not not like parallel, but just really an amazing route um, to, to score the touchdown and go up 7-3. to three for And, of night. course, the reason we call that route redemption is because that's the exact same route that he ran last week. Jimmy threw it to him, hit him in the shoulder pads, and bounced right off. So after the game, he talked about that. Um, you know, that that was one that he absolutely should have had. So great, uh, phenomenal route there, as you said, and a great throw from Jimmy. This time they turn it in for a touchdown. Yep. Arizona gets it back. And again, they begin their drive with a, a one yard or a minus one yard run. Um, Hopkins had a couple catches after that. Again, he, he cooked Mooney Ward and then another first down, but he <laughs> second time in, in as many weeks, I guess, with a, a taunting penalty for a wide receiver where he, he pointed at two different 49ers players like one two like counting the people that he'd beat and you can't you can't point at people and not get a flag apparently. no you can't and to his credit I mean he broke a tackle from Fred Warner and basically uh, Jimmy Ward was the other player involved in that play so that's definitely two of the 49ers best defenders and he beat both of them on the same play so kudos to him for doing that and like you said when you stare directly at somebody and you point at them it's it's an easy, easy call. It's kind of dumb. It's kind of soft, you know, but the NFL is looking to completely remove taunting from the game. So that's that's an easy call to make there. Yep. Later in that drive, McCoy tries to check it down to Connor and he made kind of a, it wasn't a great throw, but it was sort of a poor effort from Connor. He stuck up one hand, didn't try to secure the ball with two hands. The ball pops up into the air and Jimmy Ward comes down with it for the interception. He tried to return it back for a touchdown, but he was pretty clearly contacted, but still great to see the 49ers get a turnover there. Bosa with phenomenal push, basically pushing the whole pocket into Colt McCoy. Yeah, he definitely rushed the throw on that one. And I, it looked like James Connor maybe wasn't quite expecting it or maybe wasn't expecting the ball where it ended up as you said, because he only stuck up the one hand. But that's a case of uh, the rain giving and the rain taking away. So uh, the rain caused that slip for Tarverius Moore on that punt that should have been downed at the one. This was one I felt like um, the wet ball definitely kind of just slipped off his hand and went right to Ward. Yep. 49ers begin the drive with a, a catch for Kittle for seven yards. And then on third down, just a really great play from Jimmy Garoppolo it wasn't the most beautiful throw in terms of hitting a a streaking receiver down the field in stride but the Cardinals only rush three they drop everyone back into eight guys back into coverage and Garoppolo escapes up the pocket and he has Christian McCaffrey open for for the first down he probably could have run for it as well probably could have run for it as well but it was like all eight Cardinals defenders well except for they had one safety in the back end but seven Cardinals defenders all sort of converged instinctively thinking like, okay, it's coming to McCaffrey. The the play is about to happen right in front of us. And instead he buys a little bit more time, steps out a little bit, sees George Kittle leak behind 
the defenders and hits him for the touchdown. And at that point, the 49ers never really looked back after that moment, but pretty cool to have a, a 39-yard touchdown for Kittle and the 49ers go up 14-3. to Yeah, and once again, Kittle making Buda Baker look bad, uh, basically making two Cardinals defenders miss after that catch. I complained prodigiously on last week's podcast about how we, if we are not going to get George Kittle involved, we need to trade him or just basically give him an opportunity to demonstrate his talent. And I complained about that so strongly last week, and it was just great to see him get involved early and often and make a dynamic play where he, it's a, it's a really great play for him to find that space. It's a broken play, if you will, uh, one of those off-schedule plays just a a perfect play from Jimmy to George. And then again, George does the rest with his feet and yeah, doing those luchador celebrations in Mexico city. Just so, so great to see Kittle getting involved. Yep. Arizona gets the ball back and Hopkins gets a first down with Mooney Ward, just playing way off. And, there's really not much to complain about in this game, but it did feel at times frustrating that, <laughs> that they, they seem to be going to that well uh, with such great frequency and without a, a whole lot of deterrence. Yeah, but, Hopkins did finish the game nine catches for 91 yards. So certainly that's a, a great game, a great effort. But, I mean, it's not like he was taking the top off the defense. At some point, you'll kind of take those nine, ten-yard plays that keep you in the game, and then you kind of tighten up as you get to the red zone. Yeah. It seemed like they were just sort of making the Cardinals prove it, like, okay, fine, you can have that ten-yard catch, do it eight more times, and you'll have a touchdown. You know? Yeah. So, anyway, later in that drive, um, I believe that was where um, there was a screen that was almost picked off uh, by a hider, but then uh, the 49ers jumped off sides, and it was like the defenders were kind of in between and then a 47-yarder <laughs> ended up being the result for Greg Dortch. Raise your hand if you had him on your on your fantasy team this week. But Yeah, not a household name by any stretch, but uh, if you're not familiar with him or if you couldn't catch the game, Greg Dortch is five foot seven, 175 pounds, so definitely a small guy, but had a huge impact in this game. He had nine catches for 103 yards, uh, most notably that swing pass. I will say also, if you go onto our Twitter page, Niners Bros on Twitter, I posted some screenshots from that play, and this one drove me nuts. The 49ers cannot get a holding call. We complain about this most specifically as it pertains to Nick Bosa. Mm-hmm. But on this play, it's crazy. A.J. Green, if you go back and you watch this or if you check us out on Twitter, A.J. Green sticks his hand inside the collar of Mooney Ward, and A.J. Green is running behind him with his arm fully extended and his hand inside Mooney Ward's collar for seven yards. It's crazy when you see how weak some of these holding calls on wide receivers get, you know, on screens, like you see those holds called on wide receivers all the time where you're like, ah, that was just a really weak call. He was literally like holding onto his back, running down the field for seven yards right next to the ball carrier. I mean, he's in the frame the entire way. You can just see him basically being dragged for seven yards and there was no holding on that. So that was a pretty consequential uh, sequence there as that play set up their only touchdown of the game. Yeah. Um, just a massive hold. I, I have no idea how none of the refs saw that. Yeah. In any case, they cut the lead at that point to 14 to 10, but the 49ers get the ball back. Debo gets a 14 yarder McCaffrey with a 12 yard gain on a screen. And then another first down catch Mitchell. We finally saw with his first carry. And this was just before halftime had a, a four yard run. And then Debo 
dropped a ball that it would have been a tough catch, but but you would have liked to have seen him come down with it. Um, Simmons for the Cardinals seemed to to be hurt um, at that time, and then the drive just kind of stalled. Um, on second down, Jimmy had JJ one on one deep, and the ball it sort of went through his hands a little bit, but I think he was in an awkward spot in proximity to the sideline. He was trying to not take two big strides or keep his feet in bounds while also trying to reach out with, with his fingers and grab the ball. So the 49ers did settle um, for a field goal there to make it 17-10. There was only 47 seconds left when Arizona got the ball. McCoy scrambled and sort of flopped. He <laughs> Amazingly, Greenlaw was not penalized for sort of contacting McCoy after a slide. So that was when I think you knew that the 49ers were, were going to win this game because <laughs> Greenlaw is the king of, of personal fouls yeah. on quarterback scrambles. Uh, and then Bosa gets a sack where McCoy kind of runs into it. So you go to halftime, and Garoppolo at that point is 14 of 21 for 153 yards, only a 7.3 average, which is respectable but not scary or elite. But still, two touchdowns. Um, and then McCaffrey, five carries for 31 yards. Kittle, you know, with 52 yards in the touchdown. Debo uh, with uh, 46 yards. And Ayuk with a seven-yard touchdown. And nothing really special from the Cardinals on offense. I mean, McCoy uh, had gone 17 for 23. McCoy looked pretty good. I mean, he was getting the ball out quickly and accurately, but nothing spectacular, no deep throws, no, you know, wow throws. But yeah, the Niners are up by seven going into the half and they get the ball back. So that's always a good thing. Yep. Hopkins had seven catches in the first half, but Connor was 11 for 24 running the ball. So they were, they were in third and long. So you can, you can give them those, those eight, nine yard, you know, catches if they're starting the drive with two yard losses to begin. So 49ers score 17 points in the second quarter, which is just really great to see. And they come right out and get the ball to start the third quarter. McCaffrey gets a five yard run Debo, a four yarder Jimmy G with his elite QB sneaking for (laughs) a first down. We mentioned that in detail last week. And then Mitchell started to get a little bit more involved there. He had two runs, uh, picked up a first down, got a nine yarder. Uh, They gave the ball to use who picked up a first down in the the stadium. Once again, reminding us that it was a 49ers crowd chanting juice. juice." Yeah. And that's definitely more of like a hardcore fan thing. That's not just somebody who's like, Oh, well I'll go to the game and sure. I guess, you know, if I have to pick a team, sure, I'll buy a 49er shirt. You know, if you're if you're that into the game and you're knowing it's juice check, use check running the ball and you say juice, that definitely showed me that the Niners fans traveled and that there are a lot of hardcore Niners fans down there. It was nice to see the 49ers finish that drive by going to Debo Samuel on his best play, which is that sort of end around where he comes all the way around the fort. Not a jet sweep, but sort of a fake in one direction. And then Debo's coming around the back. This is a play we ran a lot in 2019, especially in that Super Bowl against the Chiefs. It was so nice to see us use that. And he gets a 39-yard end around all the way for a touchdown. He is untouched. And Jake Brendel finishes the, the play blocking 40 yards downfield, knocking over players. And at that point, you go up 24 to 10, and it's just all good feelings. And we've been critical of Brendel certainly for some of the penalties that he's had. And he, he had another like aborted snap, if you will. <laughs> like, uh, it's just crazy. I'm, I'm not sure what's going on there. But yeah, that's definitely a max effort play when you have your center blocking at the goal line 40 yards downfield. And as you said, so nice for the 49ers to actually go back to the things that we know for sure work. That is Debo's best run. That's his most successful run. And we just haven't seen them try that for whatever reason. They've been running these inside pitches to to Debo, which, again, it works sometimes, but those are like your four to six yard plays. 
the end arounds, these are the home run plays where Debo just had like 20-yard, 30-yard touchdowns six or seven times last year. Um, so finally, finally, it's like, Kyle, thank you for doing the things that we know work and getting your playmakers involved. Yeah. He didn't get quite up to 20 miles an hour on that run, despite not being touched, which is not great. He does look a little thick, but hopefully that means he'll just be hardy and <laughs> have the stamina to make it to the end of the year. But uh, the ensuing drive for the Cardinals, they pick up a couple first downs, but at that point, being down 24 to 10 and getting around midfield or across midfield, they felt like they had to go to go for it on a, a fourth down and they didn't pick it up. And this is with seven minutes and 52 seconds left in the third. So they have to give it back to the 49ers at that point. Burford had a holding penalty to begin that drive. Then they had a kind of a dump off and a tip pass and a, a failed deep shot where Ayuk uh, slipped on the wet grass. So the 49ers did punt there. Not a lot of punting from the 49ers though, in general. So, uh, that was a great throw from Jimmy, too, on the one where uh, the incomplete pass to Ayuk. That was one where I don't know if the field was still wet or just lost his footing there, but he basically fell down. That was a really zippy throw. We don't really yeah. see Jimmy make too many of he those. He stepped into it. Yeah. Um, so that definitely a lot of arm strength. I don't know what the velocity on that was or like the next-gen stats or whatever, but that, that throw definitely had some pep on it. Uh, the timing on it was really good too. If he doesn't fall down, that's a completion for sure. Yep. Arizona couldn't get anything going really on the next drive either. They had a, a 10 yard sack that they gave up to Givens who just beat the, was it the center of the guard? But given Givens basically like right up the gut, DJ Jones style. Yeah. Just he, wa- he beat the guard. I, I don't know. It looked like the guard maybe was expecting some help from the center and the center turned left and <laughs> is just yeah. on his own there. So they punt, uh, the Niners have a nine yard gain from Mitchell, uh, Brendel, as you mentioned, did have another illegal snap where he just seems to lose track of the snap count for whatever reason. But Mitchell had a 19-yarder, and he came in with fresh legs, and you could tell he had so much more energy at that point. That was just brutal for the Cardinals' defense. They were already worn out, and Mitchell came in just super, super fast, running like crazy out of the backfield. McCaffrey had another first down reception. Ayuk uh, then picks up his second TD of the game with a 13-yard slant. And he only had two touchdowns, or sorry, two two receptions in this game, but they both went for, for touchdowns. And another great route from him and good pass protection let Jimmy come off of McCaffrey to work back and find Ayuk. Yeah, it's interesting. We talked last week about how Ayuk is definitely the number one wide receiver on this team based on the number of targets, the yards, the touchdowns, etc. So kind of interesting to see in this game, as you said, Ayuk only had two catches for 20 yards, but both of them were touchdowns. Great throws, great catches, great routes. Uh, Debo had seven catches actually for 57 in this one. So it's nice to see him actually getting involved as a wide receiver, you know, which is what we're paying him to do. Uh, Kittle finished the game as the leading receiver, four catches for 84 yards and two monster touchdowns. McCaffrey had seven catches for 67 yards. And it's just been a world of difference seeing this offense. Jimmy looks so much more comfortable knowing that he's got McCaffrey as that safety valve. Typically, you know, the, the tight end is your security blanket, but with George Kittle's route tree, he's typically running downfield. He's not really like that security blanket as often as you'd think. So the biggest surprise perhaps of the year has been the offensive line. Aaron Banks hasn't allowed a sack. Uh, the 49ers as a, as an offense did not allow a sack in this game. Mm-hmm. That's the third game with no sacks. Um, so there were so many questions coming into the year, especially on the interior. Aaron Banks has not been able to see the field 
like hasn't earned a spot on the field up to this point and he's been phenomenal Brendel has had some bonehead penalties but by and large has been really good and then you've got Burford who has been struggling a little bit um, and, and kind of platooning with Brunskill here and there but they've been making it work and now that Trent Williams seems to be fully recovered and fully healthy from that ankle playing at that elite uh, level that you expect Jimmy has had a lot of time uh, to survey, sure. he's actually had time to go through his progressions, mm-hmm. and when the throws are not there, he's dumping it off to Christian McCaffrey. He just looks so comfortable out there right now. Yep. Third game in a row with no turnovers from Jimmy. Yep, that touchdown put the Niners up thirty-one to ten, and you would have been totally happy with that <laughs> as the final score. But they weren't done after another turnover on downs for the Cardinals, in which Warner got a, a nice sack with Hafunga on, on the blitz. They're kind of forcing McCoy into into Warner the Niners get the ball back and they get another touchdown for Kittle a 32 yarder on your favorite play I know you call for this all the time that that play where the tight end starts out on one end of the formation you run a play action to that side but the tight end leaks behind the line of scrimmage and comes back to the other side and Kittle you know he did break a tackle on that but it was interesting there were other tackles that he didn't have to break because you had some business decisions from Cardinals players who and even Aikman commented on it. Just, you just, just don't see that. They, they just didn't want any part of him near the goal line. It was like they, even, even though they had the angle, they absolutely could have tackled him or hit him. They just, they just kind of let him pass. It was, it was fascinating. Yeah, that's wild to see. And I'm sure he is going to get absolutely lit up in the locker room for that. Uh, but yeah, I've been whining about that all year. And if you've been listening to the podcast, I've referenced that several times. That specific play has worked so well for us in the past. And we just seem to have abandoned it for some reason. But again, that play just has been money for us. And it was again, and you're not going to find anybody in 49ers faithful who is more happy than me to see George Kittle again, finally getting involved. He is such a weapon. He's such an awesome guy. So fun to watch. Um, Just awesome. Awesome to see him getting involved. Niners go up 38 to 10 at that point. I should mention on that previous drive, the turnover on downs for Arizona Greenlaw had a couple of really great plays. He had a really hard tackle, Um, And then a nice pass breakup. And then on the drive right after that, with the Cardinals down 31 to 10, Greenlaw is still going all out, flying around like a crazy person, even though we're up by 28 points. Uh, He did appear to hurt his arm or his wrist, but Shanahan didn't report anything after the game. So, so I have to think it was just, you know, maybe a stinger or a bit of a, bit of a a bruise or or something like that. Nothing too urgent. But at that point, the 10th drive for the 49ers, Brock Purdy (laughs) comes in. um, And it was nice to see too. I I want, I think that was with around eight minutes left that that Purdy came in. Absolutely get Jimmy out of there. Yeah. Shanahan has historically been a little bit slow to pull starters, Mm -hmm. but I think it, he just kind of recognized there, especially with the altitude, like, go ahead, let the backups. We are yeah. not going to give up 28 points. Um, even the Cardinals ended up pulling players at that point. But there was a funny moment where Purdy, either he turned the wrong <laughs> way or J.P. Mason uh, <laughs> went the wrong way, but they had one of those busted handoffs like you would expect Hand-off to see. To nobody. <laughs> Keanu Reeves and the replacements or something like that. They still kind of, Purdy still snuck for it and gained a couple yards, but Troy Aikman enjoyed that one immensely. Yeah, JP Mason did have an eight-yard run where he broke a few tackles, and you can see that that if he is forced into duty, I don't know how he's going to be as a pass blocker, and I can't account for any of that. But he runs very, very angry, um, and it was interesting to see that sort of effort gap of Cardinals players giving up and 49ers backups exactly still still pushing. So JP Mason, of course, is fighting for playing time, so so that's a little bit different than a starter, a defensive starter who's just worn out and. Wants no piece of George Kittle at the one yard line. Yep. But that's where, again, you talk about Dre Greenlaw, right? 
flying around the field, super high motor, is just amped up completely, you know, yelling at the sky after these tackles. Like, that's the kind of aggressiveness that we need. That's the kind of aggressiveness that you love, that you have to have if you're going to be a competitive football team. The 49ers were more physical than the Cardinals the entire game and just kept their foot on the gas the entire way, which, again, has been such an issue for the 49ers, finishing games, putting bad teams away. They just have not been able to do that. This game was just a joy to watch pretty much from start to finish. You know, the first two drives were, again, a little bit slow, but after that, just a joy to watch this game. I think my only fear as the game was winding down, other than that someone would get hurt, was I was really hoping that D'Amico would be able to pull it off and to have three consecutive games without any second-half points given up. And the Cardinals were kind of driving as the 49ers went into their prevent defense to run out the clock. With their backup quarterback, McSorley. Yeah, but Sam Womack came this close to anticipating and, and taking an interception all the way back for pick six, but he couldn't quite secure it. But then later in the drive, he does get the interception, and, and that pretty much seals it for the 49ers, and, and they win by that final score. He smartly to took 10. a knee that that interception of course happened in the end zone and he immediately downed it which is the right call up by that many points that's the smart play that's the safe play so he's making an impact on special teams and making an impact defensively as well he's a feisty guy and i think the more experience he gets i think you're going to see a lot more of him uh down the road here. an underrated contributor in this game to diamador lenore uh, mooney ward was good on the tackling end he led the team in tackles and he hasn't missed a tackle this year which is kind of staggering hard to believe but yeah. diamador lenore has held up amazingly well when mosley went down i know we were afraid that whoever was on the other side was just going to get torched all the time but he's giving me sort of like baby mosley vibes like emmanuel mosley where he is just he's feisty he's sticky he's learning he's getting better so a good game for him just couple, yeah a couple of other defensive stats so greenlaw and warner of course were second and third on the team in tackles like as always greenlaw with nine tackles warner with six hufanga also had six tackles uh, the 49ers did get three sacks in this game as well. You mentioned Givens had the sack, Bosa had a sack, and Warner had a sack. Just a textbook tackle on that one. So interceptions, Jimmy Ward and Womack had interceptions. Anytime you win the turnover battle, that's a good thing. The 49ers finally are getting some of those turnovers, and they're eliminating those turnovers on offense. That's a winning recipe. Yep, three straight games, as we mentioned, for Jimmy Garoppolo without an interception. He was smart with the ball, and uh, <laughs> they interviewed him. The uh, the ESPN Deportes uh, reporter, you know, asked him in Aaron Andrews style how it felt at the end. It was uh, not not the best, <laughs> not the best sort of Spanish accent, but you, you know, say siente bien, baby. You know, like like feels good, feels good, feels great, feels, feels great, baby, feels great, baby. Um, but it does feel great to to beat the Cardinals and to move to six and four. Just a, a huge game, and the 49ers did also with this win take over the lead in Monday Night Football victories. I know that the Steelers are playing next week, but but for now, the 49ers, yeah, that's kind of a kind of a cool stat there. So some other sort of team stats that are uh, good to note. So the yards per rush uh, by team, the Cardinals really struggled to get anything going on the ground. Uh, They averaged only 2.8 yards per carry. Connor had 14 rushes for 42. He did have a rushing touchdown, of course. Uh, Keontae Ingram had five carries for only 19 yards. On the other side, we mentioned that... uh, that load share, right? Like who is going to get the most carries. So Elijah Mitchell came into this game super late, but he did actually lead the team in carries. He had nine carries for 59 yards. That's a 6.6 average, which is phenomenal. Christian McCaffrey had seven carries for 39. That's a 5.6. 
And if you can have two guys averaging over five and a half yards per carry, that is going to be tremendous. Another thing, um, certainly we got to do a bit more of a deep dive on Jimmy's numbers. So he did finish 20 of 29 for 228 yards and four touchdowns. That ties his career high. Uh, finished the game with 7.9 yards per attempt and a 131.9 passer rating. Jimmy has been outstanding, especially in the last four games. And again, on this podcast, you are going to get reasonable takes on Jimmy Garoppolo. We are not going to say he's elite. We are not going to say he's a top five quarterback, but we're also not going to say he's a liability and that the 49ers can't win a Super Bowl with him. Um, you know, it depends or remains to be seen if Kyle Shanahan can manage a game, assuming the 49ers do get to the playoffs and make a run, Garoppolo has disappeared in some playoff games. That's sure. just a fact. But a lot of that has to do with when you have Raheem Mostert rushing for 200 yards and four touchdowns in why a game. You, why would you stop? Yeah, yeah, why Why would you throw the ball, right? And last so, year he was injured and things like that. But I, I think if you watch this game, and you're a 49ers fan and you like to rag on Jimmy, you need to stop kidding yourself. Do you, do you watch? Do you ever flip over to red zone? Do you watch other teams and see how many plays, even from guys like Matthew Stafford, who who is now a Super Bowl champion, how many plays there's a throw that's just like, oh, that was an awful throw. That was five yards off target. And it just almost never happens for Jimmy. Every throw hits the receiver in the hands. Now, maybe it's not your favorite placement. Maybe you wish he would take more deep shots, but he hits people in stride. He hits them in the hands so much. You think, you think the Jets... You don't wish that they had him instead Seriously. of Zach Wilson right now who wishing can't even they throw had a traded, screen. Yeah, wishing they had traded for Jimmy right now for sure. Just a couple of stats on Jimmy. So again, when you have all of these weapons on the team and you have an offensive line that is performing really pretty well, um, again, three games with no sacks, that is tied for first in the NFL. So the offensive line has been giving him protection and he's got a ton of weapons. He's got Debo, he's got Ayuk, he's got Kittle. Now he has McCaffrey. But a couple of stats. So Jimmy is fourth in yards per attempt. He is sixth in the touchdown to interception ratio. That's the big one for me. I don't know what that number has been in years past, but he has always been one of those high interception guys where he makes those head scratching throws like what the heck were you thinking throwing that ball? And we have not seen that Jimmy in a long time, which is awesome. So he's got the sixth best touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, his passer rating is fifth. Completion percentage is sixth. So again, we're not saying that he's an elite quarterback, but he is top five or you know top 10 in a lot of really meaningful quarterback statistics. He has been playing really well. This is the 49ers that we want to see. This is the 49ers that we expect to see. Just yep. a complete game where all of their weapons get in, involved. It was so great to see, especially in the red zone, the 49ers actually throwing the ball. Um, there have been some stories this week that um, basically Kyle Shanahan doesn't trust Jimmy, and that's why they've been so conservative in the red zone. So really great to see the Niners at least giving Jimmy a chance because when you're in the playoffs – once you get inside the 20, if all you're going to do is run the football, you're not going to score touchdowns that way. Yep. So this is the time. Make it happen. And Jimmy stepped up to the plate big time in this game. Jimmy was great. Again, give Kyle Shanahan major props for figuring it out. I don't think anyone who is exploring the idea 
of us needing to bring in Odell Beckham after a game like this, I'm convinced that that Kyle Shanahan can find a way out. Whether he, whether he's going to, it's the NFL. Good teams can lose to bad teams every week. But after this week, I think we can all agree that Kyle Shanahan can figure out how to use the pieces that we currently have. And there's there's enough for everyone to get theirs and for us to put on an elite performance. So good to see. Great for Miko again. Phenomenal effort by the defense. I know it's against a backup quarterback in McCoy, but it was last year too. Just a huge rebound to see the defense just completely clamped down. And Hopkins was shut down in the second half. This is something we've seen with Cooper Cup, with other guys this year where you get antsy in the first half as these elite wide receivers or players go off. And Miko just makes the adjustments. Yeah, what kind of wizardry is happening in the locker room at halftime? I would really like to know. Like you said, he's making Cooper Cup disappear. Justin Herbert did nothing, like absolutely nothing in the second half. And then, as you said, DeAndre Hopkins, again, did pretty much nothing or nothing meaningful. Uh, Zero points, three games in a row. That is crazy. It's going to be really interesting when the Cardinals come to play at Levi's too because apparently Hopkins was mouthing off the entire game and the 49ers players were not interested. He Uh, does. He's a trash talker. He's a yapper for sure. Mooney Ward too kind of threw him under the bus and said, well, we don't respect his game. You know, he was busted six, you know, six weeks. He was out because of his steroid. Yeah, steroid boy was what he (laughs) called him. So um, I would, oh, how, how faithful. If you're going to the Cardinals game, when the, when they come to town, can you do me a favor? Can you guys get a chant going like steroid boy Ster- or something? Like Levi's that would, Southwest. If we could make that stick, that would be phenomenal. But yeah, just an amazing win for the team. They move to, to six and four, as we said. And next week, they travel home to face the four and seven Saints, who did pull off a win. Dalton was very efficient against the Cowboys, or sorry, against the Rams. Uh, so, but again, they're four and seven. So, so yeah, this is again but a very winnable game. The Saints beat the Rams twenty-seven to twenty. I think most notably for the Saints is that Jameis Winston has pretty much officially lost the job, and it was for injury. So, he was kind of butt hurt um, talking about <laughs> that, about how you know it was his understanding that that's not the policy is that you don't ever lose your job to injury. Of course, we know that's not true. Um, people say that. But it's the NFL, which is the ultimate win-now sport, and you ride the hot hand pretty much every time. So I'm not sure what he was expecting, but certainly seems like he was surprised by that decision. As you said, the 49ers face an extremely favorable schedule uh, moving forward. They don't really leave the West Coast, and they have a ton of home games on the docket. Next up against this against the Saints, who again are four and seven, so definitely a winnable one there. Be interesting to see Chris Olave, the wide receiver from Ohio State, who some people thought he was too finesse, but he's been lighting it up. So that should be a really good matchup, whether they move him around a lot or whether they have Mooney Ward kind of follow him. But we're looking forward to it. So that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, any closing thoughts for us on a final takeaway for for, for this 49ers game? I thought it was kind of interesting after the game to see D'Amico Ryan's uh, meet up with J.J. Watt, who I believe they actually did play together in in J.J.'s early days, which is just so crazy. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's certainly a very well-respected coordinator and almost certainly going to be a head coach somewhere next year if he wants it. Yep. Good stuff. Well, again, that's going to do it for us. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Also, like or follow on Twitter for more 49ers content. We are the Niners Bros, and we will see you next week.